Well, I may sound this morning like a broken record, but I'm going to talk to you again about the law of seed time and harvest. Because I believe that in the day that we're living, we are in a massive harvest time. And I mean that in a very positive way and also in the very negative way. Because seeds produce harvest. Good seeds produce good harvest. Bad seeds produce bad harvest. Yep. The reason bad things happen to people, even good people, is not necessarily because it was God's will, but because they sowed for it. And you will reap what you sow. That's, we're going to hear that scripture a, a couple of times uh, this morning. But I want us to start out in Genesis chapter 1, and we're going we're to look at the law of seed time and harvest and give you the basis once again, even though you've heard this many times before. And, uh, and you know, I've, I've been hearing this ever since I heard of Oil Roberts. You know, he wrote that little book, Seed Time, or, or the, what was it called? Seed Faith. Seed Faith. And then people like Charles Capps and, and Hagen and others have talked about uh, the law of seed time and harvest. And they got it. You know, I didn't get it from them. I got it from the same place they got it, and that's the Word of God. Amen. The law of seed time and harvest is the Word of God. It's about the Word of God. And uh, look in Genesis 1.11, and uh, we see that this is God's method of producing things in the earth. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed. I say herb. Some people say herb. <laughs> the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself, after his kind, and God saw that it was good. You see, one little phrase repeated over and over in these verses, and that's after its kind, or after his own kind. And uh, it was through the process of seed. Everything that God made had a seed in it to perpetuate it in the earth. Now, let's look at what God said to Noah after the flood. Y'all remember the flood? It really happened. God, when God uh, opened the ark and, uh, and Noah went out of the ark, it says in Genesis 8.20 that Noah offered burnt offerings on the altar, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, <coughs> and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Now, the phrase that really jumps out at me right now is where he said, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. What's he talking about? You remember when Adam sinned? God cursed the ground and told Adam, you're going to earn your bread now by the sweat of your brow. 
the ground is not going to produce freely for you. He lifted that curse after the flood. And he was saying to Noah, Noah, if you'll plant it in the ground, it'll grow. Amen. He restored the ground's cooperation for, for Noah. And so he said, now, as long as the earth continues, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So are we going to have climate change that, uh, that uh, changes so dramatically we're not going to be able to grow crops in the earth? No. No. The curse is lifted off the ground, and God has promised there will always be seed time and harvest. Amen. As long as the earth remains. And the only way for that to change is for the earth to no longer remain. And we talked about that in, in, uh, in 1 Peter, in 2 Peter how the earth is going to, eventually there's going to come a day, the day of the Lord, where the earth will melt with a fervent heat. And he'll make a new heaven and a new earth. We know that's going to come, but it hasn't happened yet. So as long as the earth remains, there will be seasons, and there will be planting, and there will be harvesting. If the seed is planted in the earth, it will grow. That's the law of God. Any seed. All seed, if it's planted, it will produce. Can you say amen? Do you believe that? Amen. All right, this is the method that God has chosen for this planet, and it will be that way as long as this planet is in existence. Seed time and harvest is God's method. The law of Genesis is one of God's fixed laws. Everything produces after its kind, and the seed is in itself. It works that way in everything. When man messes with it and produces hybrid crops, those hybrid crops cannot produce. They cannot reproduce after themselves. I, I like seedless watermelons just like everybody else, but a seedless watermelon cannot reproduce because there's no seed in it. So you know what that means? That means you've got to go and find, get another watermelon that's been produced by a seed. And when man messes things up, the, the, the law of seed time and harvest is, is uh, violated, and they don't, get the, they don't get the fruit of it. And that's just the truth. And we could go into that, and we may do it some other time, but we, uh, we could talk about hybrid. There's hybrid faith. There's hybrid seed of all kind. Hybrid gospels. There is a gospel that doesn't produce. And it's one that it's the one that has not the seed of the word in it. In order for the gospel to be the gospel, it's got to have the pure word in it, the unadulterated, undefiled, unmanipulated word of God in it. When you start messing with it, it won't produce. And that's the problem with religion. Religion, uh, Jesus said it this way. He said, "The religion, your traditions, and your philosophies render the word of God of no effect." And it's because it's a hybrid message. And we don't want that. We want the pure stuff. Everybody say pure stuff. Pure stuff. Pure stuff. Amen. And uh, so that's the way it works. That's why God sent his word. In Mark chapter 4, you the seed of the sower. You remember that one? Look in Mark 4, 26. Jesus starts out this way. So is the kingdom of God. This is how the kingdom of God works. 
as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. See, the earth is not cursed anymore. The earth brings forth fruit of itself. Once that seed's planted, the farmer can go home and go to bed and sleep all night, and the earth and the seed are working to produce a harvest. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. He's talking about a corn crop here. And that's exactly how it happens. You don't get the full corn until you get first the blade, and then the ear. You've got you, you to have a seed, a stalk, a blade, a pod, and then ear in the pod, right? Whatever they call that, husk. Anyway. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest has come. Notice the correlation between seed time and harvest. There is, there is a time. There is a time between planting and harvesting. In any aspect of seed time and harvest, whether it's a spiritual harvest, a physical harvest, harvesting corn, or a financial harvest. You've got to plant the seed, and then there's got to be a, a time, a maturation process, where until that crop grows up and becomes ready for harvest. And then you've got to go get it, because it doesn't bring itself into the barn. Every harvest I've ever been a part of was one very violent and intensive affair. If you've ever run a combine or ridden on a combine and sit there on top and watching that little wheel turn and watching those blades go like this, you know, and you, you assault those corn stalks. It's murder. It's violent. And if you're not willing to be violent, you'll never, you'll never reap your harvest. Jesus said it this way, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. There's got, to be, there's got to be a violent approach to harvest. You can't just sit there and say, well, I planted seed. I don't know why the corn, the corn arbs aren't rolling in here. I, I, I've never seen I've lived in corn country. Many of you have. Some of you have grown up in it. I never one time saw corn cobs just walking into the f barnyard. You had to go get them. You've got to be a gatherer. Hello? Some, uh, and that, that's true in any harvest, in any harvest, including the Word of God. You've got to plant the seed. There's got to be time uh, for that seed to grow, and then you've got to go get it. You've got to claim it, possess it. Amen. And this is something you can do. Jesus said, you're the one planting the seed. You speak it out of your mouth. When we're talking about the, the words of God, you speak it out of your mouth. When you speak, it is a seed. It goes into the heart, the human spirit. And there, it begins to grow and produce. So the kingdom of God is as if a man should cast seed into the ground. That's how the kingdom of God works. I remember Jesus said, you know, they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, well, pray like this. Remember that prayer? Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come where 
in the earth, even as thy will be done in the earth, even as it is done in heaven. You see, our whole purpose is to bring kingdom principles to bear in this time, in this earth. We're kingdom people. Kingdom, we're conquering the earth and we're installing kingdom principles in the earth so that the will of God can be done here just like it is done in heaven. That's, that's what we're here for. Soul winning is part of it. That's how we expand the kingdom. We, we get more and more, uh, more and more people born into the kingdom. But that's, that's not where it ends, folks. We've got to train these people to operate on kingdom principles. That's why, that's why there's people like me, preachers and teachers. We're here, we're here to teach kingdom principles and train people to operate by kingdom principles. And sowing the right seed is, is a kingdom principle. You're going to be sowing seeds regardless, but you need to sow the right seeds if you want to get the right crop. Amen? Amen. Jesus said in Mark 4.28, the earth brings forth fruit of itself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Sometimes people give up before the harvest. They give up during the growth process because they have microwave faith. They have no patience, no endurance. It's it takes effort. It's work to plant. I, how many have been involved in planting? We used to call it drilling corn. Drilling corn. Drill because you, you, you got this implement that drills a little hole in the ground and puts a seed in it. And then there's this little plow thing, thingamajiggy that comes along behind it and covers it up. And it's amazing what technology has done. They really sped up the process. But in the old days, people stick their finger in, a, in the dirt, put a seed in there, and cover it up, and then pour a little bit of water on it and move on. It's labor. Planting is labor. It'd be, it would be senseless to go to the labor of planting and then give up before the harvest. How many sermons have we heard about this? All, all my spiritual life. The seed is a necessity. Some people think it's going to happen just because they say it. Now, saying it is involved in planting it, but there's more to the harvest than just you saying it. It won't work just because you say it. But saying it is involved in working it. It's, you're not going to automatically have a harvest just because you said it, but you're not going to have a harvest if you never say it. You got that? Planting is, is initial, and it's important, but it's not everything. A lot of Christians give up on their harvest. Amen. And I've come close many times to giving up on my harvest. A lot of, a lot of Christians doubt the process, and so they go dig up their seed. Why aren't you doing what you're supposed to do? Well, if you dig it up, it's not going to produce a harvest. Can you agree with me? Amen? It won't, won't necessarily happen because you say it, but it is never going to happen if you don't say it. And we get criticized for teaching people to confess the Word of God. We're called, you know, blab it, nab it people, and, you know, name it, claim it people. But, uh, uh, you know, that's their problem. 
they don't understand the process. If you, once you understand the process, uh, you won't mock it. You won't mock it. God is not mocked. Galatians 6, 7, God is not mocked. He said, be not deceived. You deceive yourself if you don't think this works. You're deceived if you think you can sow one kind of seed and get a different harvest. Or no seed and get a harvest. Or good seed. You see, good seed brings a good harvest, but evil seed brings what? An evil harvest. That's what Galatians 6, 7, and 8 are all about. If you sow to the flesh, of the fle uh, you'll reap of the flesh corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap of the Spirit life everlasting. So the kind of seed you sow is important. Yeah. Amen? Okay. And, uh, and there's life in God's Word. And there's life in the seed and the promise itself. And it's, it's, uh, it's an incorruptible seed. So what you're going to use for seed is what? God's Word. Amen? If you don't use God's Word, what, what, would you, what are you going to use? You see, nothing. God's promises are seeds for a good harvest. Any other harvest you don't want. Amen? Now, I want to share with you uh, seven laws of harvest. And uh, I'll try to go quickly so we don't miss lunch. Amen? But there, 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 I've noticed seven laws of harvest. There's probably many more, but uh, I found seven right quickly. <laughs> and uh, number one, law number one, we reap only what has been sown. We reap only what has been sown. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians 9.10. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, you now Paul's talking about sowing and reaping. Isn't that odd? That all the way down into the New Testament, they're still talking about this law. You know why? This law is in force as long as the earth remains. Amen. No matter how many thousands of years pass, the law of God is still in force. See, God, once God says it, it's eternal law. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will never pass away. So in 2 Corinthians 9.10, he says, Now, he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So he that, see, God is the one who gives you seed. And with that seed, you, you, have, you have the opportunity to make bread, or sow it and make more seed. Now there's there's a warning in this. You don't you can grind your seed up and make flour out of it and eat it, but you sure don't want to eat all of it, or you won't have any tomorrow. So so when God gives seed to the sower, he, he's, he's, he's ministering to your present needs, but he's expecting you to be wise enough to reserve some back and sow that for your future. Amen. So, but the, the only thing you're going to get a harvest from is, he said, he multiplies the seed sown. In case you don't know, uh, sown is another word for planted. You've got to plant the seed. 
As long as the seed is in your hand or in your in your in your garage or in your Ruth keeps them in jars. You know, every time we eat a piece of fruit or something, she saves the seeds and puts them in these little jars because she's 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 saving seeds and for when she has a place to plant them. She she hates to throw seeds away. She just gets on to me if I throw seeds away. And the only problem is she doesn't label them or anything. You know, she just got them. <laughs> and I said, how are you going to know? She said, I'm going to plant all of them. <laughs> She's going to have to really have a big, big piece of ground. And then I told her this morning, I said, if, uh, they're all going to come up. And when they all come up, you're not going to know what's a weed and what's a tree and what's a, you know, and, and uh, just, well, I'm just going to let them grow. Well, you're, you're going to have to thin them out or they won't produce. So at some point, you know, she's going to be scratching her head, standing out in the middle of the yard, saying, what's this? <laughs> Fortunately, they have apps now you can put on your phone. You can take a picture of the plant, and it'll tell you what it is. And so she can, she can kind of weed out the weak ones, and you know, so... But she's, uh, God's going to give her acres and acres because she's got <laughs> seeds. And I said, you know, we could buy them when we need them. No, 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 no. I, want, I, I know these work because yeah. <laughs> I ate the fruit. And there's a, and there's a point in that. If, it, if you know it works, save the seed so you can plant it. But it won't grow if you don't plant it. Ruth, you got to plant it. Law number two, we reap the same in kind as we sow. You can't plant a lemon seed and get avocados. You say, well, that's just common sense. Well, that needs to, that needs to carry over into your spiritual seeds and, and your words, the things that come out of your mouth. You can't plant negative seeds and get positive harvest. Hello. Many times we counter, we're counterproductive. We pray for one thing. We believe God for one thing. We confess we're going to get one thing. And then we get up off our knees and go out into our world and we, and we start planting negative seeds that, that oppose the seeds that we've already planted. You've got to rule over your mouth. You've got to watch the words that come out of your mouth because words are seeds. Words are seeds. There's life in your words. There's also death in your words. The scriptures say that. Now, if we're going to reap in, in kind. I read you the scripture in Genesis 1 where everything, everything reproduces after its own kind. Genesis 5.3 says, When Adam had lived 130 years... He became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. Isn't that interesting? Adam, after 130 years, he became the father of a son, but that son was in his own likeness and after his own image, and he named him Seth. A friend of ours had a little baby boy uh, this week. Posted a picture on uh, Facebook, and I showed Ruth that picture, and and Ruth says that little boy looks just like his daddy. That's a good thing, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, you don't want them to say, "Whoo, whose daddy is this? Who's who? You know, who's his daddy?" No, you want you want them to say he looks like his mother or she looks like her daddy. There's a there's a family resemblance. Why? Because the word the the law of seed time and harvest applies even to us having children. We bear after our own kind. I, I we don't have. Kittens. We we don't have puppies. We have people like us. Amen. We keep the, we, we reap the same in kind as we sow. That's the law. Uh, Galatians six seven. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that that what's that? What he sowed, whatever he sowed, that he shall also reap. If you think there's going to be any different, you're mocking God, and God's not going to have it. God's not going to have it. <laughs> he is not my. You're deceiving yourself if you think you can somehow circumvent His law. There are people who are trying to manipulate things. They're they're trying to change things. They're trying to alter things. Well, I want to tell you something. They're just mocking God. They're deceived. God's not going to have it. He's not going to have it. So whatever we sow, we're going to reap. If we sow good, we're going to reap good. This principle is stated in Galatians 6 is an absolute law. It mirrors the Genesis law of sowing and reaping. Genesis 8.22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. That's the law. The Apostle Paul confirmed that law in the New Covenant and said it hasn't changed. Amen? So, law number three. That same scripture also proves that we reap in a different season than the one we sow in. Ecclesiastes says there's a time and a season for everything under the sun. Time to be born and a time to die. Time to plant, a time, a time to sow, and a time to reap. There's, there, there, there are different seasons. And, and uh, you know, they say Rome wasn't built in a day. Plants don't grow overnight. Athletes don't become strong or proficient in a week. Children aren't born overnight. Last I heard, it takes somewhere around nine months, still, give or take a week or two. If they're born before, you know, substantially before that, then they're at risk. They have to be incubated, and they have to be have to have that light. Yeah, that 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 light that turns them a different color. That's expensive. Why? Because the season wasn't filled, fulfilled. The season for the seed, uh, if, if that season goes full term, that seed's going to produce stronger, better. Amen? And thank God for our, our technology that we have today and the care that people can receive that, that even a premature child can live and prosper and grow. That's a miracle, folks. You know, back in the day, they, they died. They perished. I mean, just thank God that we that God's given uh, uh, 
people the wisdom and knowledge on how to preserve that life. But it's important, if at all possible, to go full term. Why? Full term means fully developed. And, and we want our children fully developed when they're born. Amen? But they're still, they're still tiny. They're not six foot tall. Right? If that were to happen, it'd kill the mother. And if the child survived, and he's six foot tall, he'd probably kill his daddy. Because, you know, they have this temper, children do, that has to be trained. They have to be taught to control themselves. That's why they're born small, so they won't kill their parents. Have you ever seen a, you ever seen a baby who wanted something and didn't get it when they thought they should have it? And they turn beet red and they begin to scream bloody murder and there's nothing you can do to stop them with it until you give them what they want. Well, you put a gun in their hand and they'll shoot you. Yeah. They have to be trained not to do that. That's one reason they're born small. <laughs> so you can control them no matter how tiny the little mama is. She can, she can train that child so that when it grows up, he won't hurt her. That is extra, and it's extra good. It's extra true. Amen? Law number four. We reap more than we sow. There's no fact more significant and sobering than this one. The law of multiplication comes into, in, into, into play when we sow. When we sow good, we bountifully receive from the hand of God, who is debtor to no man. God's not going to owe any man. The harvest is always greater than the seed planted. Anything God requires you to sow or give or plant, He's going to bless it back to you, pressed down, good measure, shaken together, and running over. That's Matthew 6. The harvest is always greater than the seed planted. If this were not the case, no farmer would ever plant a thing. If he only got back what germinated in the ground, he would be on the losing end and spend his life in utter futility. Why? Because he's got to eat. And all, if all he got was what he planted and he ate some of it, his crop would get smaller and smaller every year until he had nothing. You've done the math. I know you farmers have. You've done the math. How many... How, how, you know, you plant one kernel of, so of corn and you get a stalk and it's got three, five ears on it. You count the, the kernels in each one of those ears and you multiply that and then you take all that and you plant it again. And the next season you have even more multiplied and you take that and you plant it again. And by the third or fourth generation, You've got, you've got a million, millions of return on that one seed. That's God's way. So there's no way you can lose your seed if you plant it in the soil. It's going to produce, and it's going to, it's going to multiply. Everybody say multiply. multiply. Amen. Reaping more than we sow is fundamental to the laws of harvest. This is not just true for the agriculture world. It's true for nearly every aspect of life, Amen. the physical and the spiritual, for believers and unbelievers alike. Remember, 
If you hate, you're going to get more hate. Not the same amount of hate. You're going to get more hate. If you love, you're going to reap more love. <clears throat> Amen? If you're kind, you're going to be treated kindly. If you're merciful, people will be merciful to you. You're the one, and they're the many. You merciful, you, you as one show mercy, then the many will show mercy back to you. It's multiplied. Anything you put out there is coming back to you multiplied. That's so important. It answers a lot of questions. Why are people so mean to me? Mm. Because somewhere down the line, a person was mean to somebody. And they reaped people being mean back to them. You were mean to a person. Now, people are being mean back to you. It got multiplied. Why are these things happening to me? Why are all these things happening to me? Because somewhere before that, a seed was planted, and God didn't plant it. You can't blame everything on God. You can blame the process on Him, but your participation in it is your responsibility. Therefore, what you reap is your fault. Whew, Pastor, we don't want to hear stuff like that. Well, law number five. We reap in proportion to what we sow. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he, he says this, He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Hmm. So it's like when Jesus said, in the same measure that you put it out there, you're going to receive it back. In other words, if I, if I plant two seeds, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a two-seed harvest. I'm going to get the harvest of those two seeds. If I plant 50 seeds, I'm going to get the harvest of 50 seeds. If I plant 1,000 seeds, I'm going to get the harvest of 1,000 seeds. The same measuring device that I put it out there with, I'm going to get it back. So if I'm a really loving guy and I love on people all the time and I'm always smiling, always encouraging people, always nice to people, always good to people, always doing good for people, then my harvest is going to be in the same measure. It's, always, it's going to be coming to me all the time, all day long, every day. People are going to be nice to me, kind to me, loving me, blessing me because I'm putting it out there as fast and furious as I can and it's coming back on me as fast and furious as God can get it back to me. But if I'm only kind on Sundays, if I'm only nice once in a while, if the only time I give is when I have to, or I'm going to look bad, then things are going to come my way in a trickling. They're going to trickle in, just like they trickled out. So are you going to be a trickler or a gusher? Depends on what you want. <laughs> you, need to, you need to clamp down on the evil stuff, on doing, on doing evil stuff. You need to reduce that down to nothing. And then you need to ramp up on the good stuff. Amen. If you want good stuff, give good stuff. If you want a lot of good stuff, give a lot of good stuff. If you don't want bad stuff, then quit doing bad. Duh. It's just common sense. Amen. Yeah. 
And yet people don't live by these principles. Christians don't live by these principles. They, they think it's all spiritual and it has no application into our natural physical life. But it does. You can't, listen, the Bible does not separate your spiritual life from your natural life. There is no dichotomy. There is no separation of church and state in the, in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God belongs to God. Jesus is the king of his kingdom. And it's, a, it's both a, a spiritual and a physical and material kingdom. It's not just spiritual. This is not just a spiritual principle. It's a principle, as we've been illustrating, that works even in raising corn. Amen? And by the way, if you look at the parables of Jesus, over, over two-thirds of his parables dealt with planting and harvest because it was a very agricultural culture. I think 92% of the, the economy in that day was uh, based on agriculture. And the, he, uh, the people understood these principles. That's why he spoke in these terms so they would understand them. And he, he was saying the kingdom of God is just like these principles you're living by in the natural. He, was, he wasn't hiding the kingdom of God from them. He was revealing the kingdom of God to them by, sh by showing them the similarities between the spiritual and the natural and how they, they both operate on the laws of God. Amen? Amen? And so... The law is we reap more than we sow. And no fact is more significant and sobering than that one. You're going to get more than you give. It's good, encouraging, but it's also, hmm. And as I mentioned in the beginning of my message, we're living in a day and an hour when harvest time is upon us and people are, are, they've been heaping up and sowing and planting for a harvest. Many of them, a harvest they don't want. Amen. And the harvest is come, and the law of God demands that they receive their harvest. That's what judgment is. Judgment is people coming into their harvest. They're getting their just rewards. They're just desserts. They're getting what they deserve. Why do they deserve it? Because they sowed for it. Amen? And we reap in proportion to what we sow. So if we sow sparingly, we're going to get sparingly. Amen. Uh, I think one time in Nebraska, I was pastor in Nebraska, and that's corn country. And so I borrowed a wheelbarrow, this old rusty wheelbarrow. We had somebody paint it bright red. And... Uh, and I went to one of the farmers and I said, can I have some seeds? He said, can I have some corn? Just give me a couple bags of corn. Not your seed corn, you know, just your selling corn. The, one you, the corn you're going to sell. Just give me some corn. What do you want corn for, preacher? A sermon illustration. Oh, okay. So I got this corn. And I filled the corn up. I filled the wheelbarrow up with corn. And uh, right in the middle of my sermon, I just stopped. I said, y'all, excuse me a minute. I went back, grabbed the wheelbarrow, and pushed it down the aisle, this wheelbarrow full of corn. Got up to the front, and I reached in there, and I had placed a, a measuring cup, you know, a little plastic measuring cup, one, one full cup, half a cup, y'all know, the ones you cook with. 
and I had a teaspoon in there. And I'm preaching, I'm preaching this principle. And I said, now if I take this teaspoon and I fill this teaspoon up and I sew it and I just threw it out at everybody. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, God has promised that he's going to give back to me in the same measure that I put it out. And so God's going to heap it up on me, but he's going to do it a teaspoon at a time. And what if I take this measuring cup and I scoop out a full cup, one cup of corn, and I saw it, and I threw it out there. Y'all remember that sermon? You remember that? Were you there then? Got a little corny. <laughs> and it was a mess for somebody to clean up. Nobody volunteered. I had to clean it up. That's why I haven't done it since. And, uh, and then I said, and then... God's going to bless it back to me. He's going to give it back to me, but he's going to use this, he's going to use this cup, the same proportion that I gave it out. He's going to measure it back to me. And I grabbed the wheelbarrow, and I said, <laughs> I said, now, if I, if, I give, if I give out wheelbarrows full, and everybody ducked, man, everybody just, you know, but I, did, I couldn't pick it up. I would have. I would have thrown it at them if I could have picked it up. But they understood the principle. And then I went on to say, now, what if I, what if I used a dump truck and I, or one of those grain trucks that you farmers have? What if, I, what if I sowed grain truck loads of corn and God used grain trucks to bring it back to me? Well, by then, the, you know, these farmers and ranchers, they're smart people. Don't, don't ever think they're... I don't know where they get the word dumb farmer. I've never met a dumb farmer. They're smart people. <laughs> but you'd be amazing after that message how many, of the, how many of the farmers became tithers. They realized that that natural principle that they make their living by works also in the spirit realm. They made that connection. Have you made that connection without the mess? You make that connection? Praise God. See, words are pictures. You can see that happening. Uh, you know, praise the Lord. But it's all in proportion. Do you see what I mean by proportion? You reap in proportion to what you sow. Amen? Luke 6, 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. What? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. See, if it's a thimble... God's going to put it in there. He's going to shake it down. He's going to put his finger on it, press it down, and he's going to put some more in until it's just overflowing, but it's still a thimble. It's still a thimble. Get a bigger measure. If you want more, give more. More of a measure. How about the little lady that Jesus saw who brought her her little two mites, two, two little pennies, and gave it, and it was all she had. Jesus said, this woman has given more than all of you here. You know why? It was, her, it was the measure. She gave 100%. She gave all she had. One of the most powerful financial seeds you could ever sow is your last dollar. 
or your last 10 or your last 100 or your last whatever. When it's your last and you have no more, when, when there's no more left and you've given it all, that's the most powerful financial seed you can ever sow. Amen. I've proven that over and over and over and over again in my life. All right? That was uh, law number what? Five. Law number six. We reap the full harvest of the good only if we persevere. And as a side to this, the evil harvest comes to harvest on its own. Isn't that interesting how that works? Pretty sobering principle of life. Scripture teaches us that we reap the full harvest of the good only if we persevere. But the evil naturally comes to harvest on its own. It doesn't need our help. Those of you who've had gardens, you know this. It takes perseverance and cultivation to keep the weeds out and provide for conditions that promote healthy growth and fruitful plants. But weeds will naturally grow and take over a garden without you doing a single thing. Isn't it interesting how that works? Well, you put that, carry that principle over into other areas. Matthew 13, 24, Jesus says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. What kind of seed did he sow? Good seed. Verse 25, But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So he planted good seed, but while he was sleeping, an enemy came and planted bad seeds. And he reaped the harvest of both. There's a principle here. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good. I don't know what translation this is. You know, don't faint. For in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary, if we faint not. So then while we have opportunity, let's do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You see, there are things that we have to do while we wait. A farmer doesn't just plant his seed and walk away. He has, he has, he has uh, different tools. He's got one tool that, he, that just goes down through the field and it, it uh, cuts the weeds and cleans the weeds out. He's got other tools that... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, they ridge up little rows so he, he can run water down it. Or maybe he's got a sprinkler. He's got, there are things that he does all during this season of waiting. To do what? To encourage the crop. And... To defeat the weeds. My father-in-law, being a military guy uh, during World War II, he had this one piece of equipment called a flamethrower. And he'd put me in the back of his pickup truck with the flamethrower, and he'd drive alongside of his fences. 
and he, and he would have me burn the weeds out of his fence rows. I asked him one time, why? They're not bothering anything. He said, they will, they will spread into the crops. He said, they will take over the whole field. He said, I get them while they're harmless before they become harmful. I burn them out. See, there are things that you can do to ensure your harvest, to help it. Amen? And if you are slack, if you're a slacker, then the enemy's going to come and he's going he's to plant seeds that choke out your harvest. And then law number seven, we can't do anything about last year's harvest. But we can do something about this year's harvest. The problem with too many Christians is that they're not forgetting the past. And they're reaching, they're reaching back to what's behind them. And maybe they had failures in the past. Maybe they didn't plant. And so they didn't get a harvest. And they're bemoaning the fact. Ruth was telling me about uh, someone she heard about uh, this morning that uh, was encouraged to sow a seed. There was a preacher. A preacher came to, to the church. And the preacher said, God's impressed upon me that this church has some debts. And if, if you will sow a seed, a financial seed of $1,000 into this church, it will pay off the church's debt, but God will also bless in your own personal finances. Well, there were some people in the church there was one couple, their house was in foreclosure. And they didn't have the money to get it out, but they did have $1,000. And so they sowed that seed in that offering that helped meet the church's need. By the way, the church's debt was paid off that morning. And the evangelist, he sowed a $1,000 seed. He didn't just tell them to. He, he led the way. And, uh, but there was another couple in the church that were in the same situation as the other one. Their, their house was in foreclosure, and, but they didn't sow a seed. And this evangelist went back there the next year, and there were people testifying all over the place about how they gave, they sowed a seed, and God worked supernaturally in their personal finances. And then this one guy comes up to him later and says, I didn't sow the seed. And I lost my house. And he said, every time I go by that house, I remember what you said and how I disobeyed and how I lost my house and my friends still have their house. First thing that came to my mind was, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. What that man needs to do is forgive himself, learn from his lesson, and move on. But learn how to do it right. See, we can't, we can't, he drives by that house all the time and just kicks himself over the mistake he made. Well, you can't do anything about yesterday's crop failure. And if you didn't sow a seed, you didn't have a crop to fail. <laughs> but 
if for whatever reason you you know your crop gets hailed out, your crop gets fruit frozen, your your the bugs come, the locusts come and eat it all. I mean, whatever disaster happened to you last year, move on. Don't don't give up on the principles of sowing and reaping. A lot of people have done that. They're looking at the past, and some, somehow or another, something failed. I promise you it wasn't God, and it wasn't God's laws. Something you did or did not do opened the door for that failure. But instead of condemning yourself and, or blaming God and saying, this doesn't work, I've heard this. I've heard people say, God's way doesn't work. <laughs> How, I, I always ask him, I said, don't you know he's listening? <laughs> don't that just scare you a little bit? To say something, but God, what does the Bible say? God is not mocked. God is not mocked. If you mock him, that means you're deceived. So don't be deceived. Just learn where you missed it and make a correction and move on. Amen. Learn from the consequences of your failures. You're going to have to live with it. That guy could no longer live in that house. He had to accept that. But it didn't mean he could not have a house in the future. If he would obey God and do what God tells him to, he can have a house in the future. By taking care of today... You provide for tomorrow, or at least you prepare for tomorrow, right? The call of Scripture, Hebrews 3, 7, is this. Today, everybody say today. today. Hebrews 3, 7, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. You see, the children of Israel miserably failed and had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, because they refused to trust God. They failed to daily discipline their lives for godliness, and so they spent their lives going in circles in the wilderness. The people who went into the promised land were people who believed God's word. Amen? How do we know they believed God's word? Because they said, we are well able to go up and take the country. Those, you know, your words will let people know, God in, included, your words will let God know and the world know who you believe. Amen? Matthew 6, says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, food, clothing, and shelter, Natural, material things. If you seek first the kingdom of God, material things, food, clothing, shelter, shall be added to you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. You can't do anything about what's behind except make corrections for tomorrow. He said, take no thought for tomorrow. In other words, don't, don't, you're not there yet, but you can prepare for it by doing the right thing today. Tomorrow will take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient under the day is the evil thereof. So what does that mean? 
That means, that means you've got today to do something about it. Change your thoughts, change your words, and change your seed. Make sure you got the right seed. Sow it and grow it and watch it while it grows. Keep the weeds out. You see, what's happened in the world today is God sowed his word. He sent forth his son into the world. He sowed his seed. He's, Jesus is called the seed, capital S. He sowed his seed for a harvest. And God is expecting an abundant harvest. And, and a whole lot of time has gone by. Because God's waiting. He, he's waiting for each generation to plant their seed. To plant their seed. Until in the end he can have a huge harvest. Well, I believe we are on that schedule right now. And I believe the greatest harvest of souls the world has ever known in history is upon us. I've heard some say that God's told them that, that, that this harvest, this right now harvest, is going to be over a billion people. Over a billion people. I like that, so I'm going to buy into that, right? I, I'm going to sow into that with my words, with my faith, my expectation, and I'm given, I'm given to evangelists, I'm given to people that are going after those souls. All right? But also, on the flip side of this, the enemy has been sowing tares. Just as faithfully, and maybe even more faithfully, than God's people have been sowing their seeds. Because the enemy doesn't sleep or slumber. He doesn't stop. He's relentless. The word devil means relentless. In other words, he keeps coming back. He keeps coming back. He keeps coming back. You resist him. He flees from you, but he comes back. He doesn't give, the devil doesn't give up. And he's been... While we've been sleeping, America, he has sown tares among us. And he's been doing this for decades, generations actually. Matter of fact, he, when this country was founded on the good seed, the evil seed was present. And they've been growing side by side. And so now we're looking out at this world, this country, and we're seeing that the harvest is ripe for the good seed, the billion souls, and the harvest is also ripe for the tares. Well, what's going to happen to the tares? Well, the Bible says that God's got these creatures called angels, and their job is harvesting, and they're going to bring the harvest. They're going to bring the harvest for the righteous, and they're going to bring the harvest for the evil. Jesus said, in the last time, the angels will come, and they'll separate the wheat from the chaff. They'll separate the good from the, the tares. And they'll gather up the tares. Didn't say he's going to gather up the, the, good, the good stuff. Said they're going to gather up the tares. And you've got to pay attention to God's order of things. He's not gathering up the good seed. He's gathering up the tares. And he's going to bundle them all. These angels are going to bundle them all up and they're going to throw them in a furnace and they're going to burn up. So that only the good remains. Now the timing and the order and all of that, I'm leaving that up to God. There's a lot of different viewpoints on all that. Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, 
pan trib. We may be living in peace, but somebody out there in the world is having tribulation. More Christians have died in the world, have been put to death in the world in the last two years than in the last 20 years put together. It's happening. I mean, tribulation is happening all, over, all around us while we sit in relative peace. Why? Because we've sown seeds. We've been, we've been the country that, that makes peace, that, that seeks peace, that gives, that sows the good seed. Yeah, there's people among us that are weeds. And we're seeing these, we're seeing these crops come into full maturity. And all of a sudden you realize, whoa, that's, 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 not, that's not corn. That's an evil seed. And you can see them. There's very few, there's very few plants out there now that you cannot, you cannot categorize good or bad. There's no gray area anymore. There's no middle of the road anymore. You're either, you're either bad or you're good. <laughs> right? Amen. And evil is very clearly present. But don't worry. Because God's got harvesting angels that are going to bring their harvest and he's going to collect them. Amen. The Bible says you'll look for them and you won't be able to find them. They'll be gone. And he'll bless the good. He'll bless the good ones. Amen? So, these seven laws of harvest, let me, let me go over them one more time. We reap only what has been sown. We reap the same kind as we sow. We reap in a different season than we sow. We can't do any... We, we reap more than we sow. We reap in proportion to what we sow. We reap the full harvest of the good only if we persevere, but the, the bad harvest happens without any help. And number seven, we can't do anything about last year's harvest, but we can move on and do something about this year's harvest. Amen? So if you're feeling guilty about anything in the past, confess it to the Lord. Repent of it. Don't do it no more. Amen? And forget about it. And let's move on. Let's be good seed sowers. And let's watch our crop. Amen? You can't stay up all night. You've got to get your sleep. But early in the morning, you can go out there, and if, he's, if you see a weed growing, get it out. If it's in the fence row, burn it out. 